This message is brought to you by Lighthouse Chapel International, a united denomination originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches. Welcome to the Life Preaching Message, where the Word of God is imparted clearly, practically, and comprehensively. Our aim is to provide a solid foundation, a Bible-based instruction to our church members, to equip them to teach and preach wherever they may be. Join us for a life-changing encounter as you listen to this message. Father, we thank you, Jesus, our Savior, and we thank you, Holy Spirit, our helper. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, uh, I want to thank all of you who wished me happy birthday. You know, yesterday was my the anniversary of the day of my birth. And it's been, I realized that it's been quite a while that I've been around. You know, sometimes you don't believe that you have been around for long, but the truth is, it looks like I may not have been around longer than others, but on my own and in comparison to me, I have indeed been around for long. And I pray that as I evaluate my life, or as the Lord evaluates my life, it will be found to be where it ought to be. And my prayer for myself is that if there's any slack, may the Lord bring to my life quick restoration to be where I ought to be in my walk with the Lord. Amen. So once again, thank you all. I May the Lord also cause you to be remembered by many people. I mean, this particular occasion, I realized quite a number of people that under normal circumstances don't wish me a happy birthday. Uh, They remembered me, and I thank God. I just pray that it doesn't mean anything negative. But anyway, in God, all things work together for good. So once again, Thank you very much, and I receive all your prayers, and I am indeed blessed to belong to a family that through the obedience of Christ Jesus and the obedience of his servant, Bishop Dag, has been created for all of us to enjoy. Amen. Good. I am going to preach from the book Backsliding. Please, may I have a copy of the book Backsliding? It's right there. Okay. Where's mine? I can't find mine here. Just give me one there. Okay, the, the yellow and blue one right in front of you. Yes. Thank you. So, I'm preaching from the book Backsliding. Just in case you don't have it or you don't know how it looks like in your Macaros. This is how it looks like in the Macarius. But don't go by the color. Just go by the the other single prints also have it like this. Well, whichever way it is, the content is the same. It hasn't changed. Amen. It hasn't changed at all. So whichever way, I'm preaching from the book backsliding. And I'm preaching, I was starting with chapter one. Chapter one says what it means, what is backsliding, what is backsliding. Now, sometimes in knowing what a thing is, you may have to check in various ways how it has been described. Then you would be able to have an idea now, before, before I, I press into this topic or into this subject this morning, I want to remind you, I want to say something to all of us who are hearing and hear and hear well. You see, the Lord speaks in many ways, but often men don't hear because they are expecting the Lord to speak in a particular way that they believe this is the way he should speak. But if you are careful and you are humble, 
and you open up yourself, you would hear God speak to you in many situations and in many ways. Now, we are in a season of this viral infection that is causing many difficulties and many challenges. And we we may look at it from different angles or may have different views about the issues. But one of the things that I believe the presence or the current situation presents to us is how to be a Christian in the eyes of God in a way that depends on nobody but yourself. In a way that depends on nobody but yourself. What do I mean? The traditional way by which we have known Christianity to be as in terms of gathering together and having fellowship, which the Bible says we should not neglect our, I mean, fellowshipping, but we should even do it so much as we see the day approaching. Now, it, it is important, fellowship is important, but I've also learned that the things that you are able to do privately on your own take you further or take you higher than the things that is done for you as a group or the thing that is done in a group. So in this season, I believe God is offering us an opportunity to come up or to learn certain skills that may be needed for the seasons ahead to come. I'm not speaking, I'm not prophesying that the seasons ahead are going to be more difficult. I don't know, to be honest with you. If I knew, I would come up with a clear plan. But I live my life one day at a time, just as you live your life one day at a time. But if the Bible says all things work together for good, then I always want to see the good in any situation that I I encounter. That is me. I always want to see the good in any situation that I encounter. I always want to see the opportunity that any situation offers me to be a better person. Unfortunately, many of us, our Christianity has depended on pastors, has depended on people forcing us and mobilizing us to go to church, has depended on people leading us to do things, and never ourselves. But this season is offering you that opportunity to learn it and to do it, such as learning to come aside your own private space during service time to praise and to worship the Lord, to speak to God in prayer in different ways. Because you're the same person. No matter which environment you are in, you have found a secret place or secret places to do private things that you cannot do in public. Am I lying? So in the same way, don't tell me your house is busy because your house has been busy all the time but you have done other things in the same busy house that nobody knows of it in privacy and nobody disturbs you. It's Sunday morning. Let me not say certain things. That is meant for Friday afternoon. Hallelujah. So I believe we are are in this season. So learn it. Season to pray. Learn it. You have to pray for yourself. You have to wake up. Nobody is organizing so many prayer meetings for you because unfortunately, once the other part of Africa, most parts of Africa, they are almost coming back to normal in life. Us alone in South Africa, all of a sudden, we have a variation of the virus that is more spreading and all those things. And hence, our infection rate is going up. I don't know what we have done wrong. The same thing, when HIV also came, we had the strains that infect easily. I, I don't know. I'm not saying anything. Whatever you want to hear. You can hear for yourself. But I'm not saying, I'm just observing what is there. That when HIV came, we had the, the most virulent strains. And then now that, uh, 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 what do you call it? COVID has also come. And the whole of 52 countries in Africa, or uh, the whole many countries in the world, they couldn't get many places for it to change than us where we are. Well, I don't know why it is so. But what it is is that, Whilst 
others may still be having the opportunity to do the way to do things the traditionally the way they are done. We don't have that opportunity because currently we are in lockdown. We can't have we can't gather. We can't gather at all for service. We don't know what is going to be announced by Wednesday, whether things have changed or not. We don't know. But the question is that other countries in Africa, they are moving on and life is almost normal. As you watch television, they go to church, they do their praise and worship, they do everything. Even though they may be doing these virtual things, it's just a backup. But we now have it as our main way because we can't meet. I pray that the Lord will have mercy on us and help us to come back together. But even when we come back together, most of us are struggling to still gather the courage to go to church, even though we go to other places. Whichever way, remember that you, your relationship with God needs you, the Holy Spirit. That's all. The pastor is just a help. The shepherd is just a help. So make it a point that whatever you need to do to be able to develop that relationship privately, you do. Amen. Good. So let me go on the subject of backsliding. And like I said, chapter one of the book says, what is backsliding? And many attempts to say what it is in different ways. And, but like I said, sometimes the best way to know a thing is to describe the various settings when that thing is supposed to be operating. And then it helps you to easily identify it in yourself. And so that is what I'm going to do this morning as I take you through the word of God. Now, I first of all, backsliding is not necessarily not coming to church. No, that is not backsliding. It may be part of the process, but it's not necessarily not coming to church. But more importantly, it is not being where God expects you to be. It is not becoming what God expects you to become. It is not not pressing towards the mark of the high calling as Paul describes it. So you see in the scriptures a few things. There are many things, but I cannot say all of it. But you see in the scriptures a few things that God expects us to be. That God expects us to be. Now, you may never see that you are backsliding according to your standard, according to the, the, the parameters by which you measure yourself. But in the eyes of God, in the eyes of God, you are backsliding. So it is always important when you talk about backsliding to have a reference point. To have a reference point. And that reference point must be the reference point of God. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short or falling short of the glory of God. In other words, what God created man to be, sin immediately reduced it. Sin immediately reduced it. Now, when we meet Christ, God's purpose is to restore us to that glory for which he created us. That his glory, that must be reflected in our lives. That is, that is the key thing that we need to understand. Because you see, unless you have an endpoint, when we are talking, you will never understand and you would always argue. But the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And uh, 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 Second Thessalonians, I think, chapter 2. Second Thessalonians, chapter 2. I think verse 13 or so. It tells us the purpose 
for which we have been saved. Or Paul tries to bring to our attention what God has in mind as revealed to him. It says, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. It says, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and believe of the truth. Where unto verse 14, he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. The NLT says it in this way. As for us, we can't help but thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters. Loved by the Lord. We are always thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation. A salvation that came through the Spirit who makes you holy and through your belief in the truth. He called you to salvation when we told you the good news. Now you can share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you see, the salvation, the deliverance, the recovery is to bring you to the place where you were before sin came. And the Bible says one of the works of sin is to bring you from the glory that you had with God the glory of God that was upon you, the glory of God that we are manifesting. Salvation is for the recovery of such. So you see, if you don't understand this, whenever you are being encouraged to press towards the mark of the high calling, when you are being encouraged to press towards that, to apprehend that for which you were apprehended by Christ Jesus, you will feel that somebody is bothering you. And you will feel that somebody is taking this too far. But you see, I want you to know that nobody is taking anything too far. Nobody is taking anything too far. We are just trying by the spirit of the living God to urge you on to the purpose and to the mark of your calling. Hallelujah. So I pray that as the Lord by his spirit reveals to us his word in the word of God, we will, with a humble heart, stop arguing and receive that which God is bringing to our way so that his purpose and his will will be accomplished in our lives. In another place, which talks about salvation, it says, for by grace are ye saved. And that not of yourself. It's not of works. Lest any man should boast. Verse 10 of the same chapter. That's Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. We are his workmanship. And, and if I'm quoting it well. It talks about, it was before the foundations of the world. We were created in Christ Jesus. Let, let, let's read it. So it's not, it's not an afterthought that God is finding something after he has saved you for you to do. But the Bible says that. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before, has before ordained that we should walk in them. So you see, it's, you have not been called, you have not been saved to just roam around 
a room, you are not an impala in a game lodge or in a in a game park where you are going nowhere, just moving around the same area. No. There is a mark. There is a, a place where you have been called. You and I are called through the creative power of God and the Holy Spirit by our faith in Christ Jesus. We are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Good, remember, good works is not your works. Good works is what God calls good works. Whatever it may be, you can only walk in those good works if you follow God and you continue to follow God and walk with him. It's not, it may, it's, it may be far from what I may call good works. Hallelujah. So you can see clearly, and what I'm trying to explain to you as I take us through backsliding is that it's not an, I mean, there's, it's not like there's no mark and we are just roaming around. No, there is a mark. There is a purpose. There is a place that God has in mind for you and me. Jesus said in, I think, Matthew 5, 13, there, but he said, you are the light of the world. And he said, you are the salt of the world. So, you see, our salvation has a purpose. Our salvation has a purpose. And if we are not going forward towards that purpose, then we are backsliding or we are in the backsliding state. Hallelujah. We are backsliding or we are in a backsliding state. Amen. So with this in mind, with this in mind, it is important for us to look at backsliding in the light of where God expects us to be. What God expects us to be. What God expects us to accomplish. And to see whether we are moving forward towards such a goal. If we are not, then we need to look carefully and start to find out what could be making us not be where we ought to be. And mind you, mind you, when it is all said and done, when it is all said and done, it is God who will have the final word. So please don't argue with me. I beg you, don't argue with me. What I say, if it's not what God has said, ignore it. But if I say something that God by his word has said it, then look beyond me and believe and hear what is being said. Because when it is all said and done, it will be God. Hallelujah. So I want us to go to chapter 2. As we attempt to know what backsliding is, I want us to see how it has been described. And you see, there's no prophet of God that gave very good description of what backsliding is like the way Jeremiah did it. Yes, Ezekiel, all of them, Isaiah, all the prophets were calling a people to be where God wants them to be. But Jeremiah in particular seemed to have described backsliding in a way for us to understand it. So if you will with me, I know you don't have your book, but don't worry. And please stop that demonic argument that, why am I preaching from a book? Please stop it. It's Satan that is speaking to you. Stop it. And I curse that spirit that is disturbing you in Jesus' name. Jeremiah chapter 2. He describes... the people, which includes you and me.
verse 12 says, be astonished. O ye heavens and this, and be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, saith the Lord. In the describing of the backsliding state of the people, verse 13 says, For my people have committed two evils. They have committed two evils. One, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and healed them out, cisterns. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. New Living Translation says, For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked systems that can hold no water. Now, this is the description that is being given to a people that were backsliding. And that is, they have forsaken God the fountain of living waters and have hewed out unto themselves systems, broken systems that can hold no water. Now, I know, I know that you can't see yourself. You can't readily see yourself in this, that. Bishop, listen, what are you talking about? We are here in church. Look, we've made an effort to be on Zoom. And we are watching it. So what, what are you talking about? How can you say this can apply to us? Let's, let's look at something. The first question I'll ask you is, looking at the description of the fountain and the system, the New Living Translation says, they have dug for themselves crack systems that can hold no water. Now, uh, whatever a system is, it is something that makes you see how much water you have. Take note. It is something that allows you to see whether you have a lot of water or small amount of water. Now, why would the people reject a fountain of living waters and dig out for themselves cisterns? Cisterns that have cracks that they cannot see. Cisterns that cannot hold water. Why would they live, turn their backs on fountain of living waters? As I was praying, this is what the Lord revealed to me as a person. You see, in the fountain, in the fountain, you have no idea how much water is there. You only receive it when it comes. You don't know when it will stop. You have no idea how much I mean, if you go to a fountain, you don't know. I'm not talking about man-made fountains, but I'm talking about real fountains. We don't know how much water is there. We see it coming, but we don't know when it will stop. But as for a system, we can have an idea the water level. So, you see, for the unbelieving, for the faithless, even though he's in Christ, it is more comforting, according to the natural mind, to know that at least this is what I have. As against depending on a fountain that you don't know whether tomorrow morning, by the time you go, it has stopped. 
But you see, this is why the Bible tells us that the just, those that would be just before God shall live by faith. You see, if you don't analyze carefully why and what makes people backslide, you will be operating in the same backsliding state and yet not discover that you were fully operating in the state. I ask a question again. What would, you see, um, whatever backsliding is, the description of God through his prophet of his people that were backsliding was that they have forsaken they have let go. They have turned their backs on the fountain of living waters and have healed for themselves systems, systems that are broken, that can hold no water. You see, they are broken. They can hold no water. That is the description of God, but that is not the description of the people that died in the system. It is only God who knew that this system is broken, has cracks. There are many things that we had put our trust in, but this small COVID has come to show us that they are not solid. We cannot trust. We cannot depend on them. COVID has come to expose the weaknesses in it. In many things, time will not allow me to go through but the point I'm trying to say is that there are many things in our lives that gives us a surety of security, stability, and everything. And because of that, because of those things, we turn our backs on the God who has saved us and who has loved us and who wants to take us to where we ought to be. This is scary because when you look at the fountain, how can I trust that this fountain will be flowing 10 years from now? As against digging my own well or fountain, or, or sorry, digging my own system and pouring in water for storage. You can understand it now. That many of the things we do can be compared to digging a system with the aim of it holding water for us. And we are doing it at the price of forsaking God and his calling of us. Most of us have no time for anything that would draw us closer to God. Most of us have no time for anything that would draw us closer to God. We have a form, we have a name but we do nothing to prove that we are depending on the fountain. We trust that this fountain, which is of God, we may not know how much water in it, but it will last for as long as we need it. It will provide for our lives all that we need. So as some people are being described, let's analyze the thinking behind why would somebody forget or why would somebody turn his back on a fountain and go for a system because the system you can see what level of water you have. The fountain you cannot do anything other than wait for it to give you what you need. And what if when you have to, you need more? What if it's not able to supply? I believe the Lord is speaking to somebody. Hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to you and repent. Don't stay in your backsliding state. I said, don't stay in your backsliding state and say, no, you see, you don't understand. I understand everything. Your heart is turned away from trusting God, from depending on God. That is why you are busy digging out systems for yourself. Which system God says it can hold no water. Whatever it is 
that is assistant to you. The word of God says it cannot hold the water that you want to put it in. Don't wait until all your effort is emptied at the end before you say, the Lord said it. Hallelujah. I believe I'm speaking to somebody and the Lord is speaking to us. Hallelujah. So I'm not going to go, the book is there, you can read it, but I'm reading my revelations that I get from it. I'm sharing with you my personal revelations that I get from it. May you also get your personal revelations as you go through the book and the word. The next description of backsliding in the Bible is found in 21 of Jeremiah chapter 2. Hallelujah. Father, deliver us. The Bible says, Yet I have planted thee a noble vine, holy a right seed. How then art thou turned into the degenerate plant of a strange vine? That's the question. The question I need to ask myself is if the Lord is describing the backsliding state of the people as being a degenerate vine when they had been planted with a holy right seed. It means that God had expectation of the fruits that this vine is supposed to bring considering the seed that was planted in it. Can you see created in Christ Jesus unto good works? Can you see it becoming an issue here? It is an issue here. There's an expectation after being saved that God has of our lives. There's an expectation after being saved that God has of your life. Expecting the Holy Spirit to bear the fruit of the Spirit in us. I don't know who you are, but I'm asking myself, how much of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is being born in me? And you know what I'm talking about? I said, you know what I'm talking about? If you don't know, it's in Galatians. I'll read it for you, don't worry. Even if I preach two points, I'll leave it there. Twenty-two. Galatians five twenty-two. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. which has been planted in us, which has been given to us by God. When he said, he is with you, but he shall be in you. What is the Holy Spirit bringing his fruits? Or, or some strange fruits are coming out of your life. No, no, I know you are not backsliding. And nobody is saying you are backsliding because your definition of backsliding has been whether you go to church or you don't go to church. That, that has been your definition. And whether you have some Christian friends or whether you have a church you are registered in. Oh, no, yeah, I know. And for how long you've been in church. Don't worry. I agree with you. But the definition of, 
or rather the description of a people that God said they are turned away from him. They are backsliding from him. The description is, I planted you a noble vine with a holy right seed. How? How did you change to become a degenerate vine unto me? How? What went wrong? The same story is, is to us that having received the Holy Spirit after being born again, which is the promise of the Father, fruits are being expected in us. Can somebody come and eat love in you? Hello? Oh, no, I know you are not backsliding. I'm just asking a question. That you were planted a noble vine. Is the fruit of love available in you for eating? Is the fruit of joy available in you for eating? How about the fruit of peace? How about the fruit of long-suffering? How about the fruit of gentleness? Goodness? How about faith? How about meek? How about temperance? Is it available for eating and for enjoying in you? Or you are a vine that is full of other things, particularly verse 17. Or, or verse 19 of the same chapter. Look, I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. I'm just reading the, the descriptions and trying to help you to take the description from the sky, from the clouds, and bring it onto your device. I'm just giving you internet connection. I'm just giving you the password so that you can download the description of the backsliding state of Israel, you can download it onto the device of you and see whether you and I can also be described as such. If not, then we work our way towards repentance and then believing God's help to restore us to where we ought to be. Some of us have been Christians for so long, but that's what the fruit of peace the tree doesn't, the, 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 that particular tree doesn't ex, exist in our vineyard. If there's anything, is the, the biggest tree in our vineyard is the, the tree of gossiping and conflict causing, contention. Every age, you know what? I don't know how long I have, but I'm trying to keep this thing as, as, soft, gentle as possible. But it's hard to not scratch certain parts because they are too big and they are in the way. So as I'm preaching, I'm trying to avoid it, but it's actually coming in my way. So this is a description of becoming a degenerate plant of a strange vine. This is what we have become. And you see, how do these things come to us? Or how do we become these things? We become these things by many ways. One of them is when we begin to operate in other wisdom and give other things more emphasis. When we allow thorns in our lives to choke the word, from bringing forth good fruit. That's what I'm saying. That if there's anything that COVID is doing for us, apart from killing some of our relatives and many people, if there's anything that is doing for us, is making us to do self-introspection and come up with more efficient way of working with our God in this dark world of sin. Hallelujah. The third point 
And I'm almost done. I'm not preaching for long. Is there becoming a wild camel? It says, How can thou how canst thou say I am not polluted? I have not gone after Billy. See thy way in the valley. Know what thou hast done. Thou art a swift dromedary traversing her way. A wild ass used to the wilderness that snuffeth up the wind at her pleasure. In her occasion, who can turn her away? All that seek her will not worry themselves in her mouth. They shall find my question, how does somebody become a, how can God describe somebody in a backsliding state as becoming a wild camel? How? It's very simple. I don't know what you may say, but what I said to myself is seeing things in our own perspective. And when we are dominated by our natural craving, seeing things in our own perspective, not in the perspective of God, not what God says, but what you think, not walking in the wisdom of the world, but walking in the wisdom, or not walking in the wisdom of God, but rather walking in the wisdom of the world. We are Christians, all right, but let me ask you a question. Which verse is backing your action? Yes, I mean, as a Christian, one of the cardinal things about you should be that your actions have a tag of a, a, a portion of scripture that is governing it as much as possible. If you act 100 times, 90% of it must be accord, there must be a scripture that you are standing on to act. But you see, when you follow your own perspective, before you realize your natural cravings and other things are making you readily available and therefore being described as a camel that needs no struggle to be found. In other words, you see, by, by operating in our own perspective, many evils don't, don't struggle to find us. Many evils don't struggle to find us. Yes. Because we operate in our, we, we operate. And you see, this particular portion applies to a certain group of people that are in church, but always have their own minds. Whatever you do, they see their pastor as a colleague. And some of them even see, look, I'm better than you. I'm more educated than you. I'm better standing than you. In this particular point, I'm talking to a particular group of people. I'm talking to, if you feel I'm talking to you, I, I want to say to you, I cannot deny I'm not talking to you. I'm actually talking to you. I am actually talking to you. Yes, I am talking to you. Seeing things in your own perspective, not in the eyes of God, not as God sees, but according to the wisdom of this world, which has trained you and governed you, then your lust and your cravings are going to take hold of you and lead you to places that makes every evil abound in your life. We need to change and begin to be governed by God's word. Hallelujah. We need to change and begin to be governed by the word of God. I'm supposed to have a few more points, but it's okay. I'll just do this four points. They said a good sermon is either three points or seven points. 
but I don't know. Since I'm not sure when I'll get you, you get let me give you next week's sermon part, the first point. Because I wanted to end on the three so that I have a good sermon. They get it, but it's only a good sermon for me. They get it. But for you, this point may actually be your point. And since you are here today, to, yesterday is gone. The songwriter says, tomorrow may never be by. So teach me to live one day at a time. So as I have you now, let me give you the fourth point. You can write it. You can write the date of next week, Sunday on it. The next description of a backslidden state is a lady who forgets her ornaments. And maybe we can combine it also with a lady who forgets her wedding gown. It says, And maid, I'm reading Jeremiah 2 32. Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people that I saved by sending my only begotten son Jesus Christ. to come and die, shed his blood, causing he who knew no sin to carry the sins of the world that you might become the righteousness of God. God says, you have forgotten me. Days without numbers. Days without numbers. You have forgotten me. I, I don't feature in your priority list anymore. I'm the last person you think of. And even when I'm talking to you, you don't even listen. You have forgotten where I took you from. You see, the question is, why, why would, let me ask a question. Why would a maid not forget her ornaments. You see, whenever a comparison is made, it means that, like in this particular case, it means it's not something that readily occurs. It's not something that readily occurs. So the question can a maid forget her ornament? And can a bride her attire? Means that it is something that is near impossibility. My question is, why will a maid not forget her ornament and a bride her attire? Why? You see, The reason why a bride will not do such things, why a maid and a bride will not do such things is because they know what these things mean to them. They know what it makes them to be. You see, a bride knows that it is the wedding gown that differentiates you from all the other girls. It is the wedding gown that stands out to say that you are the queen of the occasion. The ornament for a maid knows that it is these ornaments 
That makes me glamorous. That makes me glorious. That makes me beautiful. You know, if, if you, you are used to a lady who doesn't wear earrings and all these beautiful things and they don't do, I mean, moderate makeup. Some ladies, the makeup, they do it a bit too much. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about people who normally don't do it. Now, the day they put on these earrings, chain, and they do a little bit of, I mean, appropriate makeup, they look so stunning that if you are not careful, you will say what is in your heart as a man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It looks so beautiful. I mean, so wonderful. Now, what is the difference? The difference is between when they don't do those things and when they have done it is that addition of those things adds to what they have to show. And some of those things reveal their beauty. When they do their hair, all of a sudden, there's a transformation. They glow. The only thing that I don't like, which I don't agree with, is the addition of the eyelashes. That one, if you do it, you are failed for me. If I don't say anything, it doesn't mean I, I, it really is attractive. That is the only one. But the earrings, the beautiful chains, and the nicely, a little bit powdered face, because sometimes some of the powder, they make you look like a corpse. But whatever it is, do you see, their beauty stands out. Now, for the bride also, the wedding gown is what makes you different from even the other girls that are following as bridesmaids. The wedding gown makes you, it's like, it's my occasion. It's, there, there cannot be confusion. Now, in the same way, you see, what most Christians, that, that's the reason why these people will never or will hardly forget any of these things. So for a Christian, for a born-again Christian to forget his God and to neglect his Christ, is it means that that Christian doesn't know that it is God and his Christ that makes you beautiful, that makes you the star of the occasion. The beauty of your life is God in your life and Christ in you. But you see, unless you don't, I'm saying the reason why a maid and a bride will not forget those things is because they know the value. But unfortunately, Christians don't know the value of their God in terms of the beauty and in terms of the glory that God and Christ Jesus brings into our lives. And we go about, you walk around. Oh, you see, if you want to see a useless life, and almost a hopeless life. See a life that has come to an end. But a life that was lived without the prominence of God and without the prominence of Jesus Christ. is the most pathetic and most saddening experience you can have. It, the only reason why it doesn't strike you is because you are not a thinker. You are just happy go person. You just eat and keep moving. You don't analyze. You see things. You, you pass by the field, but you don't consider. That's the only reason why. It is the most pathetic and the saddest. It's, it's one of the, the most emotionally weighing down things that you can experience. A life that is lived or a life that had an opportunity to live prominently with God in it and with Jesus Christ as everything. 
you see the uselessness of it. It's a very painful thing. Now, you and I have faith in Jesus. And by so doing, we have full access to God. And we have Jesus with us by his spirit, the Holy Spirit. Now, it is all this is intended to make our lives beautiful and to make us stand out as the bride. Now, if you don't understand the value and the role of God and Jesus Christ in your life, that is when you trivialize their existence and you keep moving without them. But if you understand the scriptures that I've shared with you, listen, I've just, I read the book, but if you realize, I'm sharing just the scriptures of the book with you. If you understand what I'm saying from today, whatever state you are, you are going to change. You're going to seek the help of God. Your prayer topics are going to call on God to bring you, restore unto me that which or where I ought to be so that my life will never be the same. Now, for those of you that are listening that have yet to receive Jesus Christ into your lives, I say to you, it's the best opportunity you can ever have. Because apart from the forgiveness of your sins and having peace with God because your sins are forgiven and Christ will reconcile you to God, Christ, by his spirit in our lives, will grant us the beautiful power of God, will grant us full access to God. And through God, our lives will be seen to be beautifully decorated and our lives will be seen glorious when the curtains are over. I'm not talking about the rewards of heaven. I'm just talking about justice life. Apart from what you get in heaven and what you, your life will be when you meet him in eternity. But I'm talking about having an opportunity to be a beautiful, your life to be a beautiful life. As every is bowed and every eye closed, one pray and thank the Lord for his word. Father, in the simplicity of speech, I have presented your word to your people. It is by your spirit that they will receive and know the truth of your word. Father, I ask, let your spirit release his power to cause them to hear and to cause all of us to see the truth that you have given to us. You have called us not to turn away from you, but rather to seek to do your will and to draw close in our hearts to you in every way. We thank you, Father, and we bless you that we have an opportunity to make things right and to restore things to where it ought to be as we cry unto you. Father, let not our prayers fall to the ground, but may we receive answers to every prayer that brings us to where you want us to be. Help us Help us, we pray. And we thank you for them that will give their lives to you. As they pray this prayer, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, release them from every hold of the enemy and let them grant to you like the madman of Gadara did of Jesus, that they may come and worship you and be set free of every demonic work. I want you to pray this prayer with me. You want to give your life to Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you for my precious life. I am before you just as I am. Completely naked with all my sins before you. I ask for forgiveness of these sins as I turn my heart back to you. I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. I confess his death and his resurrection. I believe in the shed blood of Jesus 
which has the power to wash away my sins. I receive Jesus into my heart as my Lord and my Savior. From today, I submit myself to his Lordship as I seek to obey his word. Make this possible by granting me your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We believe you've been blessed by this message. To stay connected, follow our LCI social media platform.